Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Stevenson for three. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kutch with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Dropped it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Outrunning his Brissett. Outs it all. It's it to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. What's going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. And we have a special show for you today. We're going to be joined by the uh, the co-host of Noble and Roosh Show on Ball is Live podcast, Zach Noble and Roosh Williams. Guys, I'll start with you first, Zach. How's it going, man? Doing awesome. March Madness is banging and nothing. I like talking more than young cores. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Roosh, what's going on, man? Hey, man, I'm, I'm chilling. I appreciate you having me. I think it's really interesting to be on this podcast, given that about... <laughs> 10 months ago, Pacer fans hated me for my comments on Karis LeVert, which hopefully we can talk about. Yeah, well, let's, <laughs> let's start out with that then. Obviously, this Pacers podcast. So, obviously, last year. sit in the corner. Hey, you can uh, you can kind of chime in here and be the deciding factor in, in what you, you think. You guys can box. Uh, <laughs> You'd be, you be the judge of this. So, obviously, the, uh, the long conversation was Victor Oladipo was flipped to the Houston Rockets, and the Pacers got Karis LeVert instead. And so, Pacer fans were like, what are the Rockets doing? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. They could have literally had Jared Allen and Kara Silver. Instead, they just wanted picks, uh, a Victor Oladipo that had no interest in re-signing in Houston, and they could barely flip him before the trade deadline. Got, what, like 20-some games of Kelly Olenek and Avery Bradley and basically did nothing. So I think the Pacers standpoint uh, from where I was at especially was like, even if you just get Kara Silver, he had – the the cancer that had to be removed so he was out for a majority of that time frame I don't think he would have impacted winning whatsoever with that Rockets team and then I feel like they could have flipped him for more assets in the offseason than they got for Oladipo but Roosh you felt much differently about this so I will let you oh, hold on hold on the 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 big this the big point of contention though that you you omitted was at the time Pacers fans were like yo this guy is awesome like you know they, they were oh, thinking yeah. I remember I remember I said something like, give me Jeremy Lamb instead of Karras, not because I thought Jeremy Lamb was better, <laughs> but just because I didn't want to deal with like a high usage kind of inefficient guy. Like I think you guys came to see Karras, Karras is. Yeah. But um, from my perspective, it was more so, I think this is one of those that, that kind of both sides won, right? Yeah. You guys, Indiana was able to trade Karras Levert for more than I thought he was worth. 
So you got some good picks, right? You got a early second rounder from, from Houston, uh-huh. and then you got the late first rounder from Cleveland. Right. The flip side of that is that it's not a deep draft. So I don't know what those picks will actually be worth in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from, from the Rockets perspective, I'm still okay. Like I'm happy that Indiana was able to flip him and, and you guys got the picks and he was worth what you thought. And, and conversely, Eric Gordon didn't go for anything on the market. On the other side, I'm happy that we didn't have to deal with Karis LeVert playing and taking time away from Jalen Green, uh, especially because Houston's backcourt is already kind of filled with like Eric Gordon and Josh Christopher, Kevin Porter and all that. Um, I think the middle ground here where we, where we can agree is that Karis wasn't all that. Did you think he was all that? Yeah, so it's interesting because I think every single person that I talked to that covers the Pacers were like, oh, yeah, like you have Karis LeVert. He's going to be like the face of the team moving forward because obviously like you trade Oladipo for him and he looked really good the month of April with Sabonis. Like their numbers were just like ridiculously good. And so then he got COVID right before the playing tournament happened. So You know, had he been there for that, who knows what would have happened? Who knows if the Pacers end up beating the Wizards? I highly doubt it because that game was a blowout. But, um, you know, Karis LeVert looked so good in those moments that you thought, okay, you can kind of talk yourself into it. Um, Did he have like some 30-point triple doubles in in the end of the season or whatever? I don't know if he had triple doubles, but, I mean, he was putting up some stupid numbers. So it was just one of those weird – it was just one of those weird things because you're like, him and Sabonis look great. Turner wasn't out there. Brogdon was kind of uh, – he was out at the time. Brogdon actually came back the game of the play-in against the Hornets when Levert was out. So it was kind of like you saw a two-man game here that looked great. And then Rick Carlisle came in and pretty much just destroyed every bit of chemistry they had. Um, I don't know if it was on purpose or not because Rick Carlisle is an interesting uh, guy here, but I was told – that the whole entire thing was to kind of take away some of the offensive responsibilities from Sabonis to lessen his role and allow Karras to kind of be the face of the team when Carlisle came in. But then obviously he was set back with injuries to start the year. And I think that's really just been the knock on Karras, not, not even as a player with his usage and all that stuff, just his inability to stay healthy. And that's kind of what made it hard for the Pacers to really invest in him long-term is he just couldn't stay on the court. Hey, just count your blessings, boys. Both of you dodged that bullet. Lastly, I'll say that lasted about a couple months each. Lastly, I'll say um, the injuries were a big part of my argument, too. He hasn't played more than 57 games in his whole career except for once. And if he plays the rest of the season without sitting any games, I think he'll play like 58. So he'll be right there. But yeah. that's kind of what you get with him. You get two thirds of a season at best, you know. Um, but yeah, man, interesting. So, Pacers fans, if any, any of you are listening, and if I blocked you in the heat of the moment, get my attention, I'll unblock you. We can uh, shake hands and, and hash it out. But, yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, w- I will ask you this. Now that you know what the Pacers were able to get for Karis Lever in a trade, would you have rather acquired Lever and traded him in the offseason after drafting Jalen Green? I'm, I'm still going to stick to my guns and say no, and here's why. Number one, uh, this draft isn't deep. I said that earlier, but I don't know – I don't really know what – the 25th or 23rd pick or whatever Cleveland's pick will be and a 30, you know, the 31st pick or whatever Houston's right. pick will be. I don't know exactly what that's going to be worth um, quality wise. Number two, they already have Eric Gordon's contract. They already have John Wall's contract. They already have Christian Wood. So the Rockets have a lot that they need to unload and unplug and adding Levert to that for the Rockets. would it, Like you get the picks, but it would just be headache. Um, and then lastly, yeah, Jalen Green started this season and I have a, a difficult time if Eric Gordon and Karis LeVert were on the rosters, one of those guys has to start, right? So I think it would be difficult to get Jalen Green in the mix. Um, so, I, yeah, I'll stick to my guns. Jared Allen's a great player, so they missed out on Jared Allen. 
they still want their cap space for 2023 open, which is why they, they skipped out on Jared Allen. They didn't want to mm-hmm. have 20 million stuck to him in, in uh, 2023. But but yeah, that's where that's where I stand. All right, Zach. So who do you think won the trade, the Rockets or the Pacers? The I mean, Oladipo for Levert. Oh, I think they both made out all right. Like I all said, right. you guys should be counting your blessings. You dodged that bullet and didn't have to deal with it much past a couple months. I mean, Karis, who knows if he'll ever give a whole lot to the Cavs here even. And yeah. they'll probably they'll probably end up signing him. Let's see how big of a contract that is. But no, you guys He's under contract. Talk about it here in a minute, but I'm liking where you guys are both at. Yeah, for sure. So because Roosh is joining us and uh for some for some crazy reason, Zach's Timberwolves have escaped the lottery. Uh, they actually look pretty interesting this year, uh, but we won't get into that today. We're actually going to be talking best kept secret, baby. <laughs> Patrick Beverly, game changer. But uh, let's get into it here. We're going to talk about the ten teams that are going to miss the play-in tournament and be in the lottery. So ten teams here. Uh, I'll just run through them real quick. We got the Knicks, the Wizards, the Pacers, the Pistons, the Magic. We got the Spurs, we've got the Kings, we've got the Blazers, we've got the Thunder, and we've got the Rockets. So it's uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to look at these uh, young cores moving forward, I guess, but looking at their current situation now and rank them one through ten. But I think it would be great to start in inverse order. And I'll start with you, Zach. Who do you have at number ten in this uh, this power ranking? Yeah. So the great thing with a lot of these teams, or most of them, they all have at least five guys. Um, so that was the promising thing. It's just weighing like towards the end of it on the margins, which ones you think are going to stick around and how much you value those guys. Cause the top is pretty easy to evaluate here. I think, um, it's a pretty clear top 10, top 15 for me. I can player wise in order. Um, so you're really picking at the margins and core building blocks, um, going forward, but, um, bottom of the barrel here, luckily they got Damian Lillard. Um, because Portland's here, even though Anthony Simons, um, he comes in at number eight, the eighth best player of all these guys, in my opinion. But um, I think he's got all-star potential. I really do. Um, I've been high on Simons for a while. I think he's going to be better than C.J. McCollum has been at his peak. I think he's just the perfect transfer from C.J. to him. And um, basically the other guys they got is Josh Hart, Winslow, and you'd have to be crazy to fully believe in anybody else after that. So, yeah, um, I mean, I like Nasir Little. So it's basically three guys I believe in going forward. Um, it's hard to find anybody else there. All right, Roosh, who do you have at 10? Yeah, I also have Portland. Um, I would add Trendon Watford. I think Trendon Watford has some flashes here and there. Who, who knows what he'll become? Flashes. Just to be clear, Alex, we're judging 25 and under, 26 and under? 20, 26 and under. I did that so I could keep Miles Turner on there for the Pacers. But uh, it's <laughs> his birthday today. So, bonus. yeah. So, okay. I, I just – I mean, 26 is a pretty good age, uh, you know. Okay. I'm with 20, that. So 26 and under for these young cores, by the way, for everybody listening. Yeah, so um, Anthony Simons, like you said, um, Josh Hart. You know, Josh Hart's kind of bounced around. I don't know what his ceiling really is at this point, but, you know, solid young player. Uh, Drew Eubanks. You know, not like I not said, threats. Right, you said the margins, so we're talking about the margins. Um, but yeah, all in all, I, I just don't see a bright future for Portland immediately. Yeah, um, unless you know they they're able to rehaul or retool in, in some way that I just can't see at the moment. Yeah, so what's interesting is they actually have twelve players under 20, 26 or younger 
on their roster. I don't think Josh Hart is, I think he's a little bit older than 26. I think he's 27 or 28, but um, looking at this team, I mean, I like that they got Keon Johnson. You're right. Josh Hart's 27. Yeah. So they got, they did get Keon Johnson in that Clippers trade, which I thought was interesting. He was a, a unique player last year out of Tennessee, uh, but Anthony Simons obviously is the only one here that I really feel like there's a huge bright spot with, um, but he's been so good that it's almost like hard to not, want to move them up just a little bit because of how good he's been as a player. But for me, I had the Trailblazers at 10 as well. Uh, let's move over to number nine, Zach, who you got? All right. So it gets harder as we go, obviously, but <laughs> yeah, very hard. <laughs> uh, this, no, this next one though, it's like, I truly believe in four or five guys here, like going from one to two guys in Portland to four or five. So it gets wider here. Uh, for me, it's just ceilings in this group. Um, I really don't believe in their ceilings too much, and they're just spreading it out way too much in Washington um, to really believe in anybody's ceiling there. So you got Kuzma, KP, Denny, Rui, Corey Kispert, Gafford, like great role players. These guys fit, but like Rui, I thought he had as high a ceiling as any, and he's not. his minutes are like up and down all the time. So none of these guys are really going to reach their potential outside of Kuzma. We're seeing it right now, and he is what he is. Bruce, who'd you have at nine? Me and Zach are in concert here. Uh, Washington as well. It's just, I, I'm, I'm heavily weighting star potential. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't really see it with these guys. I mean, Kristaps Porzingis is their most, most talented player, and we know what his ceiling is, and obviously his injury history. Um, you know, Kispert, I think, will be a solid role player. Kuzma stepped up this season. Is Kuzma 26? Are we yeah. sure about yeah, that? He's he's on, yeah. Okay, so... Um, you know, he stepped up, but what, what's his ceiling? I don't I don't really know. Uh, Rui, you know, Denny, I don't know. It's just guys that maybe one of them will hit, but I, I would put them lower on this list because even if one of them does hit, I don't know how high that ceiling really is. Yeah, so I originally had them 10th, the Wizards, and I had the Blazers 9th, but I switched it. I just feel like Anthony Simons, like, is so much better than anybody on that Wizards core uh, as in terms of, like, who you'd want to build with. But at the same time, I just feel like the depth of Washington's core is much stronger than the Blazers. So I had the Wizards as well at nine. Here's a raging hot take for you yeah. before we move on. Um, with these this group of guys here, um, it, it wouldn't shock me whatsoever if Corey Kispert ended up having the best career of these Washington guys just because of Chris Stapp's injuries. Like, that dude can't play above 55, 60 games to save his life. Yeah. It, well, it was kind of weird to put Kristaps on this list of young cores. I, I couldn't believe he was only 26 years old. I feel like he's much older than that. Um, but Rui Hachimura, like his whole situation this year has been bizarre. Uh, not coming, and I think what he missed, like the first 50-plus games. So, obviously, a, a different season for him. And then Kuzma playing a much bigger role than I think he should be with this team. Uh, I remember when they played the Pacers, he had 27 points, but it took him 27 shots to get there. So <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, Kuzma special. Yeah, the Kuzma special. So you're right. Like with this group, I don't see a ton of interesting pieces like I'd want to build around. Like, And I'm sure you guys heard there was like a ton of reporting that the Wizards were interested in Sabonis at the trade deadline. And every time that came up, I'm like, what are they going to give us? Like they don't have any picks moving forward. Like I think a lot of them are like protected through stuff. So they can't give anything up to like 2025 or something like that. And their roster, like, nobody even comes close to uh, matching up Halliburton. to what Sabonis is. Yeah, or Halliburton, you know. Think, so if, it's just, think if you ended with Rui and Denny. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, yeah. here. It's, it's just a totally different topic. But, uh, yeah, let's move on to uh, to number eight here. I'll start here with you first this time, Rush. Who you got at eight? So, 
honestly, I think I made a mistake. And Julius, the Knicks, I have the Knicks at eight, but Julius yeah. Randle's 27. And so yeah. as a result of that, I might even amend this to put New York at 10th with the reasoning that <laughs> R.J. Barrett is probably less exciting to me than Anthony Simons. And all they've got Ooh. after that is quick, quickly. Quickly's okay. Toppin, you know, eh, so far, so not that impressive. And then um, Mitchell Robinson, who's kind of been up and down, just like an eight yeah. and eight guy with a couple of blocks. Um, but I guess the reason I'll keep them at eight, though, is in reality, they are surrounded by Julius Randle. Um, and so they're just on a quicker path to, to that core kind of coming to um, and being an instrumental part, you know, of, I don't know, some type of success. R.J. Barrett did get to the playoffs, so he gets some credit there, albeit did it with a, a younger Julius Randle, 26-year-old. So, uh, But I'll go with the Knicks, man. Eight, R.J. Barrett. Uh, I think he can be a really good player. I think he could maybe be an all-star, but I wouldn't pen him in as like a perennial all-star type player. And for that reason, and and the reason that the guys at the margins quickly top in and Mitchell Robinson. Um, yeah, I think they're, I think it's okay. All right, Zach. So we're close except on the RJ Barrett take. I'm, I had RJ Barrett before the draft. I mean, it was tough putting him above jaw. I mean, I had him above jaw. I'll admit that I don't have him above Johnny Moore, but (laughs) RJ, you know, yeah, in a redraft, Jaws one, RJ's two. Um, But I truly think of these 10 teams, RJ's two in a redraft? Yeah, I'm taking him over Zion. It's way too early to make that call, but continue. Yeah, no, I I personally think RJ's going to be a perennial all-star. I really do. Um, But it's hard to imagine somebody doing that under Tibbs and in the Knicks and their mess they got going there and next to Julius Randle. But he's having... A huge last two months. I mean, he's averaging 24 or so um, and efficient, and he's like an all-defense type of guy. Um, I do think he's the third best prospect um, of all these 10 teams. I have him that high. But anyways, the rest of it, like Roosh said, I completely agree with. Um, They're in my number seven team. So my number eight team here is Orlando. Um, I have... Honestly, none of these guys even sniffing an all-star appearance um, on Orlando's team, but like they have depth of starters. Like I, they have a lot of guys I like that with high star- starter potential. Um, Franz is arguably a top five rookie right now. He's been very, very good. J.I., I mean, he would have been had the highest ceiling in my opinion, but it's his injuries are setting him back big time. Um he could have been a defensive player of the year guy by now. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. is having a very underrated season overall. And then Suggs, Cole, Fultz, Okiki, RJ Hampton. I believe in all those guys. I really do to be longtime NBA players, but nothing, nothing sexy there. Yeah, hey, I, here's a game for you, by the way. Take a shot every time Zach says he really or truly believes in somebody. Oh, I, I have heard Zach on several podcasts, so trust me, I know uh, the Zach Noble special. But the believer uh, over here, yeah, I uh, I did have I had the Knicks as well as Roosh for eight, um, and it really it comes down to like RJ Barrett. I think he's probably one of the more proven guys on this on out of these young cores. Um, there's some ups and downs with him for sure. I like Emmanuel quickly a lot. Um, I, I think there's potential there. I like Miles McBride. I think Quentin Grimes has shown some stuff. I just feel like the biggest problem with that young core is just the head coach. Personally, uh, it's just Tom Thibodeau is a guy that's going to play Taj Gibson and Derrick Rose 30 plus minutes over, giving some of these young guys a little bit of a chance to shine. And I mean, um, I, I mean, they're at least intriguing to me. And I think it's just because we haven't fully seen that develop. And um, I'll go ahead and say it. I had the magic at seven. 
here, so we were flip, Zach. I don't know what you had at seven, Roosh, but go ahead and share that. Yeah, Orlando, um, for pretty much the reasons Zach listed. um, I do think they have potential, and they have a lot of guys too, so that kind of helps them in some ways. It also kind of hurts them, but they have a lot of young talent, um, and I think at some point they're going to develop into having a decently high floor to where, you know, Orlando could be like a 500 team, maybe above Um, star talent. Like, I don't know. I don't think Franz will. Uh, I don't think Wendell Carter Jr. will, although maybe he could be like fringe um, for his position. I still want to believe, I want to truly believe in Markel Fultz. Um, We'll see if he's able to bounce back and kind of become some fraction of the player he was expected to be. Uh, Jalen Suggs, RJ Hampton, yeah. Uh, Bamba, Bamba's been not a star, but a decent starter. So, and he's only getting older and shooting pretty well. I don't think he's there next year. I don't think they're going to re-sign him. Oh, is he up? I don't know his contract situation. That's interesting. You would have thought they would have tried to trade him, but definitely. Yeah, he's had he's had a pretty good year though so far, and uh, you never know. Jonathan Isaac, his injury is just something that's just crazy. I mean, I uh, it kind of feels like T.J. Warren similarly here to the Pacers, uh, just not being able to get on the floor. But uh, they have fourteen players under the age of twenty six as well. So let's move on to number six here, Zach. Who do you have? So this is where the ceilings get a little higher um, for multiple players um, starting in Houston. Okay. Um, that's where I got, that's who I got at number six. Um, I got Jalen Green, Christian Wood. Um, I don't know. I, if Roosh, I don't think he even believes he's going to be there long-term, but I still think he can go. He has a little more ceiling to go, but I think Sangoon's got a pretty high ceiling. Um, so they're my number six. It's just, it's hard for me to believe in too much that's like solidified as a piece outside of Jalen Green right now. Um, it, it, that's that's why they're so low. Like, I still think Jalen Green's got an ultra high ceiling. I think he's got a top 15 potential player-wise in the league. Uh, but yeah, the rest is hard to get behind. And I'm not a Silas believer yet. So there's somebody who I don't believe in, Roosh and Alex. There's one. Uh, mark that one down, Rich. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, ah, Houston at six. No, so I'm going to go, and this might be a little controversial, but hopefully I'm able to explain myself correctly. Um, I'm going to go with the Spurs. Woo! Yeah. Deontay Murray is obviously an all-star, and I think the only all-star on the list. Well, no, he's not the only all-star because um, there's someone we'll get to. But an all-star, and so you, you might think, like, what the hell kind of pick is that? But I feel like the guys around them are high-floor, low-ceiling guys, and for that reason, I just don't see the Spurs getting into a level of superstar or a player that has superstardom, at least from the current core that we're looking at. Um, so I think they might be like a high-floor team. Like, I mean, there's still 16 games under 500, but I don't know what I don't know what else they have to look forward to in terms of big jumps and big development. For for instance, in Houston. I mean, Jalen Green, if he hits his ceiling and becomes a Devin Booker like that, that changes things. Whereas when I look at the Spurs roster, I don't see that type of potential. So for that reason, I have the Spurs sixth. So I agree with most of what you said. It, um, that's the perfect way to assess the Spurs. I mean, high floor, low ceiling. But I think if there's two guys outside of DeJounte is Vassell. I mean, he's got an all-around game and two-way guy that's super – exciting i mean it was super bad as keldon johnson right yep you got it so i'm not a primo guy yet i mean i need to see nba minutes out of him yeah there's spurs fans are crazy about him yeah i mean i think 
I think Josh Primo is just the mystery box at this point. Yeah. So uh, the unknown, I, I'll say this real quick before we take a quick break. Um, I At number six, I too had the Rockets. And this is a tough one here because, you know, I think if you add a, a, a whoever they get in this draft for the Rockets, like they could definitely skyrocket mm-hmm. this board. Um, I just don't love all the pieces around it. I, I'm not a big believer in Kevin Porter Jr. I feel like the Rockets should move on from him. I do like Jay Shante. Um, Jalen Green obviously is uh, is just really stepped up, and I've I've seen him play a few different times. I don't get to watch it as much. I like Josh Christopher as well. Um, Christian Wood though, to me, I just I'm not a Christian Wood believer whatsoever. Uh, he only plays one side of the floor, in my opinion. I don't like his defense whatsoever. So um, he's like a he's like a, a a really glorified version of Enos Cantor to a degree. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I've been saying Danilo Gallinari, but uh, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, I'm going to step in. That's a bit too far. He does <laughs> he does not play defense on in the post. He actually plays pretty decent defense on the wing, but he thinks he's a big man, so that is the issue. Um, but he can, I mean, he can go off and hit some step back threes and give you 35. Cantor. And uh, who'd you who'd you say, Zach? No, I just I joke with Gallinari, but like Gallinari, nah. But yeah, I feel much, he's a little better defender than him. He's got yeah. a better handle. Well, it's just like every time like the Pacers play him, like okay, Goga Batadze goes off for like his best game, doesn't miss any any shots. Miles Turner has an awesome game. The one time Sabonis doesn't play, and they play the Rockets. Everyone's like, "This is why you need Solo Turner." It's like, okay, come on for a second. No, no, you no, watch? And that's the thing, dude. All season, big men of all types have just absolutely destroyed us. I think Gogo was like eight of eight for like 20 and 10 or something. So yeah, he didn't yeah, miss it's, a shot. It's, and it's his fault. Make no mistake. It's like him playing the five, um, not to go too. I'll, I'll assess the Rockets when I get there, but the thinking on a lot of Rockets Twitter is either trade Christian Wood, or if he sticks around, take, hopefully they get a top two pick and they can take Jabari or Chet and kind of work like a three big man thing. Like mm-hmm. Cleveland had working this season with Shingun Wood and um, whoever that other person is, because because Wood can actually play the three on offense. It's just guarding them. He can, but he can't chase through screens and things like that. So it's interesting. I think yeah. that only works if you got unselfish players in the right mindset. And I don't right. think Wood has that. Um, I'll, I'll talk about the Rockets when I get there. <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and, and talk about the top five that we all have for our young cores moving forward. All right, we are back. We're going to move right into our number five. Zach Noble, take it away. All right, so number five. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> That's Indiana. where I have him. That's where I All have right, him. All right, I love it. Man, we're pretty close overall here. So um, ceiling for me. That's what it's kind of like. Uh, no, sorry. I'm sorry. Detroit. I, I skipped one because I just mm. broke it off. Detroit's number five. I'm sorry. Okay. That's all right. Detroit's number five. Uh, But yeah, like I said, um, before we went into the break, this is when multiple guys, I start believing in their overall ceiling um, versus just one guy. Um, Caden Bay. I really like both those guys a lot. Um, I had Bay number seven or eight on my board before the draft. And um, he's had a little rocky start um, this year. And, but he's shown plenty of flashes to still believe in him. And I think they're just perfect complements of each other. Um, the rest of the bunch is just gross. It's it's pretty gross overall. They're only Detroit's only in this position on this list because of those two for me. Um, I think they're two pieces solidified for the long run. I really do. That's that's what I got. Yeah, I kind of spoiled it already. So I had the Pacers here at five for me, and it's really just like looking at this team. Like I don't see an A level player on this team at all. Where I think Cade could be an A level player. 
for that franchise in Detroit, obviously being number one overall pick. Like Halliburton is really special to me, and I think that there is a lot of potential there. But at the same time, I think he also is too. Uh, he defers too much, and I think sometimes he can kind of blend in more than he needs than when he needs to take over. Uh, that's something that I think can be developed and learned over time. He's only in year two, but other than that, like you're looking at Miles Turner, maybe be the next best player in this young core at 26. But who knows if he's going to be here long term, and he can't stay healthy. Um, if he doesn't return this season over the last two years, he'll have missed 42 percent of Pacers games. So. That's a big one there. And then Chris Duarte is already going to be 25 next year. So he's already pushing the brink there for this age limit in terms of young cores. I like him, but he's dealt with a lot of nagging injuries. Um, we talked a little bit about Goga going off against Christian Wood, but uh, I don't think he's a long-term fit here. Dwayne Washington Jr., he's okay. Um, really, I think O'Shea Brissett's kind of a, a sleeper guy here who has some sparks, but not really a guy that you're going to bank on being a starter. So Overall, I think that there is some talent here with the Pacers. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I think this next year's draft pick could be really helpful to their core moving forward. But at the same time, I just see some limitations compared to some of the other rosters here in terms of, you know, having that go-to player. Very well said. I don't have anything to add. Uh, I have the Pacers at five. I guess the only thing I'll add, I didn't hear you mention Jalen Smith. Do you expect him back? I don't think so. I mean, it's going to be wow. very difficult. Well, the only reason the why me the is, mechanisms of re-signing him, right? Like you can yeah. only offer him like 4.7 million or something. Yeah. 4.7. So, I mean, he is on the list, obviously. And he has played well when he's played for this team, but at the same time, it's going to be really hard to keep him. So that's kind of why I didn't really bring him up here with this, knowing that he is a pending free agent and who knows if they'll be able to keep him, but if they can keep him, you know, I think he is, a, I think he's a part of their core. Just, Depends on who they draft as well, because if they draft a power forward or a center or, or someone in that, you know, if Turner stays, they draft another power forward. Is he going to get significant playing time here? And I think you guys have probably seen a little bit of an uptick in his game overall since joining the Pacers. He's shooting lights out from three. Mm -hmm. So just a, just a unique player. So did you want to add anything else to why you had the Pacers at five, Roosh? No, no, that's it. I think okay. you said it pretty well. Let Pacers me ask five. you this, Alex. How yeah. many guys on – this roster right now, like, are you confident in going forward? Like, what do you mean by confident? To be a like, part of this team. To be a part of this team. I mean, it's it's tough. I think I think O'Shea potentially, Duarte, obviously Halliburton, Isaiah Jackson. Those are probably like my my lock for the four that I can see. Terry Taylor, I think he's been a nice surprise for sure this year. Austin PA guy from the G League that just incredibly and plays incredibly well for his size as a as a six foot five, six foot six guy playing center, I mean, there's clear limitations there, but he uh, he does a pretty good job. Dwayne Washington Jr., he's kind of a streaky player. He was that way at Ohio State as well. They like him because he can shoot the ball, but um, in terms of like legit long term fit, I don't see either of them on this roster. So probably just those core four with Miles Turner being like a half because he'll be a, a an unrestricted free agent in 2023, I believe. So they uh, if they don't extend him, then I'm I'm assuming that he won't be here long term. I also loved what you said about Hallie. I completely agree. Not too high on his ceiling. I've never been, but like he's an amazing guy to have a part of your core and team, no matter what your situation is. I think he fits with everybody. Yeah. I wish the Rockets. I wish the Rockets had a point guard like him next to Jalen Green. Oh, it'd be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they uh, they uh, the Pacers got lucky there with that trade with the Kings. I think the Kings. We're a little bit too desperate, but um, we can move on and look at our number four here. So, Zach, who do you have number four? 
Yep. So I said I had Detroit five, Pacers four. Um, the reason why um, is because I like more guys in the Pacers. I think um, you can, there's a chance five guys could turn out. I, I really do. I mean, you got a, a lot of bigs there that, I mean, it's, they're all not going to turn out because you, you just got a cluster of them, but um, they're showing a lot more flashes than the rest of the team in Detroit. Like Detroit's got two guys for me, really. Yeah. No, and I, and that's kind of why I said I had Detroit, um, uh, the Pacers below Detroit was just because of Cade. I have Detroit at four. I don't know what you have, Roosh, here, but um, do you have do you have Detroit or is it somebody else? Uh, at four, I have the Rockets. So okay, I have the Rockets four because I think Jalen Green really can be like Devin Booker, good. Um, the growth that we've seen from him in his rookie season on both ends of the floor has been pretty awesome to, to witness as a fan. Started poor defensively lately. He's been really good defensively. Um, you know, started kind of hesitant. He's still been streaky shooting, but he's really putting his moves together. He's really getting to the basket. He's starting to kind of impose his will. And the only reason he's not having a better rookie season is because he's not being used correctly in the offense by Steven Silas um, and not being given the proper amount of touches. And also because there's a good amount of other talent next to him. Kevin Porter Jr. I'm, I'm out on Kevin Porter Jr. at point guard. I think he does have potential um, as like a sixth man or a wing. I think preferably a sixth man. But he's, he is really talented. And, and on the nights that he's going, like he's still, you know, pretty incredible. Christian Wood may or may not actually remain a part of the team. But, um, man, at 26, I mean, he's a walking 18 and 10 that's shooting almost 40% from three on five attempts per game. He has defensive weaknesses for sure, as you noted earlier. And it's part of the reason the Rockets are so bad, to be quite honest. Um, but if he was used in different lineups, I think that could be shored up a bit. Um, but his talent is still great. And then Jay Sean Tate, I think, is awesome, too. It's like, uh, it's like the perfect role player. He'd be better suited on a contender than he is on a rebuilder with the Rockets. But if the Rockets are able to get a couple pieces in place over the next couple of years, Jay Sean Tate could be uh, kind of a, a solid role-playing role piece to all of that. And then, of course, Alperin Shangoon, who I think has strong potential to become DeMontis Sabonis with better, better shot-blocking ability. Um, and Josh Christopher, I think, could be a solid solid piece off the bench as well. So Rockets for four. They don't have anyone established, um, so I'm kind of over-pumping them a bit based on the potential and also based on what I've seen, but I watch them closely, so there's my bias there. Um, but, yeah, Rockets at four. I'm cool with that ranking. I really am. Um, yeah. Also, higher? we can't factor in the picks, but they have, I think, the second most draft capital behind OKC. Right. So, like, they, they've got some other, other things coming, I think, that should round it out pretty well. You were lower on him like me, Alex. Why? Yeah. You got anything to nitpick there? No, I mean, I, I think, like you said, it's really hard to make these rankings because you can make cases for every team. And right. it's just like Who beauties, you believe in? <laughs> beauty is in the eye of the beholder at this point. So, I mean, I had the Rockets six. So it's like jumping them two spots to me is right. not that drastic of a change, right? So, And um, conversely, it's it's not offensive to me. Like if, if some of them – if some of these guys don't hit, they could be six or lower, you know? Yeah. I'm just – Waiting my decision on the fact that I'm I'm thinking that they will at least I think Shangun and Green will hit. Yeah, um, I think they got to find a better coach too. I'm not a Silas believer either. Totally so, agree. So if they get the right coach there, I mean Jalen Green has already taken leaps this year as a player. Obviously, like it's a loaded draft class, and I think he gets a little bit overshadowed because of how well Scotty Barnes and and Kate Cunningham and um, Evan Mobley have played, and, and especially the you know Evan Mobley and uh, Scotty Barnes getting their teams to the playoffs makes a big difference as well in conversations. But uh, let's move on here. Number three, Zach, who do you got? This is San Antonio Spurs here. Um, so 
For me, I mean, DeJounte, you could argue he's the best player of this group right now. Um, I still lean towards SGA, but um, if you say DeJounte, I'm cool with it. Um, DeJounte is probably a slightly better defender. Um, It's close, but SGA is just not really showing his defense right now because he doesn't have to. Um, He's on a terrible team, Um, but he is can be a really good defender as well. Um, I just think his ceiling's a bit higher, um, SGA's anyways. Um, But San Antonio, okay, there's seven guys there that, I mean, could be locked and loaded for this team for the long haul. If not, they got guys you could trade for a big piece. Like, I truly think they have a deeper core than anybody below that we've mentioned, and DeJounte is the, the trump card. Um, but they also, the pieces fit, too. That's what's nice about San Antonio. They just need to hit on at least one or two of these other guys, which I don't know if they will. Um, so they got to find a way to move up in the draft because they keep middling. You know, that's the problem with San Antonio. Yeah. <laughs> they keep Popovich. A, right, exactly. So yeah. hopefully when Pop leaves, maybe they get even worse, but – not if the same team's intact. Right, right. Roosh, who did you have at three? I'm going with the Pistons. Um, this is this is heavily weighted on Cade Cunningham. I think he's, you know, I think he's that good. I think he's yeah. going to be very good. I think he's going to give them a very high floor immediately. Um, and then Bay, obviously, has a real potential. I also think Isaiah Stewart, you know, I don't think he's a star or anything like that, but he's a solid kind of role-playing piece that could blossom into something maybe not play style, but maybe quality or production value similar to kind of what Capella gave the Rockets when the Rockets were good. Uh, just like that center in the middle, not prime Capella necessarily, but some yeah. some fraction of Capella um, where you can just score, rebound, kind of plug the middle a little bit, be a body. Um, and then Bagley. I'm not counting Marvin Bagley out just yet. And I feel like maybe being with a player like Cade Cunningham mm-hmm. could kind of be the difference to, to maximize uh, what there is in Bagley. So I'm going with that. Um, I'm not a believer in Killian Hayes, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so I, but yeah, Cade. I think Cade can be a star. Yeah, I've already touched a little bit on the Pistons there in my four, and I think, Zach, you had them uh, five. So we're all kind of like in lock there with kind of like it's it's tough to see exactly where this Pistons team is. But I do like Bay a lot, and I do like Cade a lot. But uh, let me ask, yeah, let me ask you guys this. Cade ceiling, do you think he's – gets in the MVP conversation ever. I don't, but I think he's top seven player potential. That's kind of the ceiling I got him at. I don't know if he'll ever reach that, but I think he gets closer to top 10, 15 for sure. Yeah, for me, I mean, it's hard for me to answer these. I know you're much more into player rankings and ceilings and stuff like that. That's one thing you really enjoy talking about. Uh, For me, I just think it's way too early to make a, like a, proclamation of, oh, yeah, he's an MVP candidate or he's a 10-time All-Star, whatever. Like, no, I think he's really good, and I think he's taking strides this year. But a lot of it, too, it's just like they got to continue to build that roster around him. And so uh, I want to see him in more situations where he's going up against better competition in the playoffs, maybe even like a playing game to see how he responds. But right now, I mean, unfortunately for the Pistons, it's been a lot of meaningless basketball to a certain degree with the win-loss outcome. But I still feel like as a player, he has developed already this season uh, from when he when he first came into the league. So um, I'm not sure what his ceiling is, but uh, I'm uh, I'm intrigued by him as a prospect. Yeah, I, I personally know this. Right now. 
Zach knows this, but I hate it when he asks me these questions because I hate answering those questions. I think there's a section of Twitter that loves like the fantasy, but I don't. I like to watch the game and talk about what we're dealing with. Yeah. To answer your question, there's just like a crazy amount of variables, team building, um, injuries, um, you know, context, like who who is in their prime at that point in the NBA when Kate Cunningham's 27 years old. I have no idea. I don't think any of us know. So I don't even know how to answer that question. Does he have the potential to be that good? Of course, you know, but will he be? Shit, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. So for me at three, this is where I had San Antonio as well as Zach. Um, it was a difficult one for me because I thought about putting him higher, but um, just looking at this team overall, it's like I really like Keldon Johnson. I like DeJounte Murray a ton. Uh, I think DeJounte just developing this year has been fa- uh, so fantastic. I'm a big believer in Devin Vassell. Um, Lonnie Walker has been a little bit of a disappointment to a certain degree, but I still think that there's potential there in him as a player. And I really just think the, like I said earlier, the mystery box is Josh Primo here. Like he hasn't shown anything yet to where you're just like, okay, this is a guy that can be a multi-time all-star like you would maybe want to say Zach, but I just feel like he's a guy that for them to draft him, I think it was 12th overall. It -hmm. came out of left field. Nobody expected it, but he was the youngest prospect in last year's loaded draft. So if they're able to develop him and he's able to and they're able to hit on him, like he could be a massive game changer here for how these young cores look in a couple of years. So that's why I'm with the with the Spurs at three. Um, but we've already talked about them, so let's move on to number two. I'll come back to you, Zach. Real, real quick, am I am I just hating on the Spurs? Is that what's happening? Am I being a hater? I mean, not necessarily. Guys, I mean, maybe okay. your right, Texas right. bias, but it's possible. I just feel like I feel like uh, Deontay Murray as an All Star. They're still 1,600, 500. I just don't know how much more there is to look forward to, but maybe I'm just tripping on I, it. I'm so. not a huge believer in his ceiling either. I think we're very close to teetering around that, so I don't think it's that crazy. Yeah. All right, Zach, number two, who you got? God, it's crazy saying a 23-year-old's teetering around his ceiling. What the hell is this guy saying? Um, <laughs> but uh, it sounds like we're all going to be pretty on par here, um, and as we should be because this team went all in for win-now mode. Uh, the Sacramento Kings, number two, uh, and it's the oldest core, Fox and Sabonis here. Uh, but really, I mean, I still think Fox has a ways to go to reach the ceiling. I think he's uh, pretty untapped yet. Uh, but uh, him and Sabonis are looking like a great pairing, and I think they can grow together. Davion Mitchell is the trump card if that trade's going to lean towards Sacramento or Indiana. I mean, Davion's been playing really, really good the last few games. Um, I believe in his two-way potential, but how good can he be on defense at 6-1, 6-2, whatever he's coming in at? So um, it, their core is all going to depend on how good he gets because Fox and Sabonis, their ceilings aren't that high, in my opinion. All right, Roosh, what did you have here for number two? Um, I have Oklahoma City. I got the Thunder. Um, I think – Zach, you said this earlier, but Shea is probably the best group, best player of this group. Um, And so that is heavily weighted for me. I mean, they have, you know, a guy that's already kind of playoff tested and, you know, get the right pieces around him and you can start playing some good basketball pretty, pretty fast. I think Josh Giddy is really good. Um, I think he'll be like, I mean, I guess they're both Australian. So maybe that's why I'm making this comparison, but I think it'll be a kind of like a Ben Simmons that scores a little bit better and defends worse. Um, and then they've got, you know, uh, Trey Mann playing really well. Yeah. And then they got some young guys, you know, Baisley, um, Pokashevsky, if you're a believer in Pokashevsky. Uh, who am I forgetting here? Wiggins. 
Yeah, Aaron, just random guys going off. Isaiah Roby, Lou Dort. Isaiah Roby, Maladon, you know, so. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the duo of, of SGA and Giddy is going to be pretty nice. And then if Trey Mann continues to hoop the way he's been hooping, um, which has been pretty kind of bonkers lately, then they might have something cooking there. Plus, I'm, like, subtly factoring in or subconsciously factoring in just the draft picks that they've got and, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that they're going to surround these guys presumably with more talent. So, yeah, no, I went back and forth with these with these one and two, which I think we both have one and two. Um, I'm with you, Roosh, on this one. I had the Thunder at two, but it wasn't easy because, um, you know, the, the Kings are a really interesting team as well. I just feel like with OKC, SGA, like you guys said, probably has the highest ceiling out of everybody in this group here of players. I mean, he is so fun to watch. I've seen him take over multiple games and win the Thunder games that they're probably – don't necessarily want to win as they're trying to continue to build this team, but he's been so good. Josh Giddy, once again, another surprise pick. Nobody expected him to go to six to the Thunder last year. It was a bit of a reach, I think. Some people thought maybe to the Warriors at seven, but nobody expected him going to OKC, and he's really stepped up. And I've always been a big fan of Lou Dort since he's coming to the league. I feel like there we he's go. There's just, the name. Yeah, oh, I totally forgot about Lou Dort. Lord yeah. Dort, the Dortchers. Yeah, Dortcher Chamber. I mean, it's a it's a real thing. And Trey Mann has really stepped up. As well, I mean, I was uh, at the Pacers game when they played the Thunder. It was like uh, we were trying to lose that game, obviously. The Pacers fans were wanting it to happen. And Trey Mann actually was just taken over at points in that game. And uh, I was like, wow, okay. So the, the belief was there that I had in him last year coming into the draft, and I think he's good. Poku is just a unique player. Uh, I don't really know if I believe in him more than I just think he's weird. Uh, and I believe a little, Jeremiah Robinson Earl more than Poku. Yeah, it's uh, it's just, it's hard. But Basley was pretty good. Maladon was pretty good. Uh, Roby was pretty good in that game as well. So, uh, you know, I just I'm just intrigued by the Thunder. But like you guys said, just seeing who they could add to this core makes them so much more interesting because clearly I think that they need to bolster that front court to get a little bit stronger. And uh, maybe if they add Chet to that, it, it could be really enticing. Strong, you said stronger in Chet. Wow, that's a first. <laughs> hey, he holds his position well. <laughs> so let yeah, me I can't ask believe you I forgot that. about Dort. Yeah. I, I said it. I was like, who am I forgetting? Dort. Yeah, can't forget about Dort. Yeah, Dort <laughs> solidifies solidifies them very very solidly. I think. He, uh, yeah, if they would have won a couple more games, he would have been on more people's radar for most improved. I mean, he's up to seventeen this year. Um, Did you just say radar? Radar. Sorry. Okay, radar. Going on, um, but uh, well, yeah, they, I mean, they shut. I don't know if he got. I know he got hurt, but I don't know the extent of his injury. Like, did they shut him down OKC yeah. style, or is he really actually have a bad injury? I, I don't remember. I'm not positive on that either. Let me ask you guys this: um, Can Giddy and Shea make it together long term? Because I'm not a believer in that. They're two intelligent players. They're unselfish. Yes, Shea can play off ball big time. Yes. But if you want to mask maximize SGA, you got to have the ball in his hands. And I don't see it any other way. I really don't. Um, he's played. I think they'll work. Dort, Dort, by the way, out with his shoulder. It's a shoulder injury. Yeah, I think they'll work. And I think one thing you can do is stagger their minutes. Um, we kind of over – I think sometimes we I overthink. Hate when you're talking about staggering young players' minutes in, in their second year, the best players in the league. Um, like, come on. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, you don't have to stagger, but I'm saying if that's, if you're concerned about that, I mean, I could what's see the, what's the point of having your two best players if they can't play together, dude, 2017, 18 Houston Rockets. Come on. It, it worked. If you got two guys that know how to run it, it that's, works. 
that's two Hall of Fame players. Like, okay, well, just think about it this way: like Manu Ginobili was what the third best player on that on that Spurs team, maybe the second best player. But when you have three or four of those guys, it's a different story. Well, that's no. the goal here. Well, that's yeah, the goal here right. too with OKC is to get three or four of those players, so they can have something like that. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Giddy eventually became like their sixth man type player. Uh, in in regards to that, but I mean, that's just projecting out now. So. Uh, long-term fit, I mean, I think SGA can play with anybody, kind of similar to Halliburton, like you said. I just think he's that good that you make it work. And uh, when you have that kind of talent, you just you find a way to, to make it all work. So um, that's your number one. Did you want to add anything else on, on them, Zach, before we move over to Roosh to hear why he has the Kings number one? Yeah, I'm very intrigued. Let's, let's hear it. All right, Roosh. Yeah, uh, Kings number one. The reason, the primary reason, is because they have two ready-to-go players that we that are proven commodities. Um, one of whom we know is already all-star, an all-star, or has been an all-star. Yeah. The other one who can give you, I mean, what this season, twenty-three and six and four boards, but last season, and I think it was a little funky of a season for him, sharing with Halliburton and you know Davion Mitchell coming on, but last season, twenty-five, seven, you know, at what? I don't know how old he was, but let's say 22, maybe 23 years old. So you, you paired that with Sabonis. We've already seen the kind of early returns. They weren't winning games, but the basketball was good. Um, and, and you kind of saw like the blueprint for what's there. And then in addition to that, um, Davion Mitchell, I think is, is going to be really good. Um, I think he kind of gives them like a solid backup for Fox already. And someone that you can, I think also run with him at times and, you know, stagger. Um, and then uh, they have DiVincenzo as well. So yeah. don't sleep on DiVincenzo. Um, I think he's 25 years old. If they can kind of utilize him and get the most out of him, combo guard style, um, you know, then they might have something cooking. But primarily, uh, Sabonis and Fox are a duo ready to go. There's no like rookie year development to wait for. Like, you know, they're Fox is coming into his own in the NBA. Sabonis is established. Um, and this is just a very solid base. If they add the right players around them, I yeah. think they could be right back in the playoffs pretty soon. Yeah, and I think for me with putting the Kings at number one, uh, a lot of it comes down to like with looking at these 10 teams, we talked a lot about young cores that still need to develop, still need to take that next step. And the Kings, their best players are this young core. And that's kind of where it's – and they're at that like threshold of like 25, 26 years old. So they've had the experience to be able to do it. So – you know, had I said like 24 and younger, like, no, this team's not even close because of some of the players that would be off the list. But Sabonis and uh, and De'Aaron Fox, I mean, I'm not sure where you have them ranked, Zach, but I'm sure they're both probably in your top five here for best players overall on this list, or at least the top 10. Um, and I really do like what I've seen from Davion Mitchell in his rookie season. I think he's really stepped up as a player. I, I really like Dante DiVincenzo as a pickup for them as well. Defensively, he can get after it. But I think some of the like the lower key players they have, that haven't, we haven't talked about very much is I like Metu a lot. I, I think what right. I've seen from him, he's fit in pretty well with that group. He's not a starter-level player, but I, I think an energy guy off the bench, he can do some things. Uh, Trey Lyles, poor guy, can't find a home. But, you know, I, I'm not saying I love Trey Lyles, but he has shown some flashes here in Sacramento since being traded there. He had a sick dunk last night on Gogo Batadze. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. but yeah, I did. It was, uh, it was pretty nasty, and it's so funny because, like, I didn't realize how thick Trey Lyles was. Like, that dude has got some muscle on him. Like, he was standing next to Isaiah Jackson and Goga and just made them look like little men because he was so buff. And I was like, dang, this guy's got some muscle on him. But uh, I really think just the core of Sabonis and Fox, like, that's 
them together when they've played this season, I know it's been a short, a small sample size. They've been fantastic, um, but they have yet to play like superstar level games together. Um, it's either been Sabonis has been awesome and Fox has not been great or vice versa. So they've got to add some better pieces. There's some shooting around them for sure, because they are not three point shooters whatsoever. They're more get to the basket and attack the rim. So for them, for me, it's like the Kings with this current core. But like if you were projecting, I would probably lean more towards with uh, OKC moving forward just because of all the potential that they have. Yeah. How do you get rid of, uh, or sorry, how do you bring in some bonus and not keep buddy healed? Like uh, there is just, well, they wanted to get rid of that contract, man. And I I just think, I mean, maybe Alex can speak to this better, but buddy Heald's a really streaky guy and he's not, you can think of him as like a, put him on the perimeter and just catch and shoot kind of guy. But I feel like on the floor, he doesn't play like that. Like he moves around a lot, which isn't bad. He He gets the ball in his hand. Like he kind of, I think plays more like, a better player than he is instead of higher just, usage. Yeah. You know, so, well, he actually, know, am I wrong about that, Alex. Well, he said this last night after the game. So he actually had a pretty efficient night last night. I think it was 10 of 18 for 25 points. I'm not mistaken. And he had like eight assists. So he actually looked pretty good. He just unfortunately bookended the game uh, with dribbling the ball off his foot. So started the game with the first turnover and then pre- pretty much ended it. Pacers were up by one and dribbles the ball off his foot. Sacramento gets the ball and they go up by one. Thanks to a Damian Jones put back uh, there to, at, with two tenths of a second left. But after the game, he said that he just feels like Rick Carlisle allows him to be more than just a guy that stands in the corner and spreads the floor, gives him the opportunity to have the ball in his hands. And Carlisle even said it. He goes, he has a ton of energy. He's happy to be here. He's not just a shooter. He actually sees the floor really well. And that's why he has picked up uh, an assist overall for the Indiana Pacers this, this little short part of the season because – they're not just using him as a guy to spread the floor. So, um, but yeah, what were you going to say, Zach? To, to Rusha's point, though, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing for the, the team. Like, Buddy for dishing the, out eight the king, times, holding the, the ball specifically. too much. What I'm saying is it's not for the Kings specifically. That's like, fair because you got those two guys dominating yeah. the – you got those that's two fair. guys dominating the ball. Buddy's not just going to camp out. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I actually love his game. I love if shooters. He's a catch and, if you play him as a catch-and-shoot guy, I'm just saying the Kings But he can do shooting, more. He'd get, but I, I'm just saying, yeah, I, the Kings need shooting desperately. And that's the only way Fox and Sabonis is ever going to work. And they let a great one go, in my opinion. Yes, call him streaky, whatever. Um, no, but I'm, but I'm saying, and I'll wrap it up here because I don't want to waste your time on this topic. But I'm saying, like Alex just said, he wants the ball more. He wants to right. do more. So he's not just going to, you're not going to get the some, best version of some Buddy players, Hill. though. You can't give them what they want. Right. You're not going to get the best buddy healed if you just camp him. And around those two guys specifically, you got Sabonis in the post and high post, and you got Fox taking pick and rolls and like working like buddy Hill's going to be camped and he doesn't want that. So, and I don't blame him. He desperately went out of Sacramento though. He, he has said that. And he was like, yeah, we lost tonight, but I take my team talking about the Pacers any night over the, over the Kings. So it was pretty funny just to hear him kind that of throw funny. some shade last night, but uh, go ahead. He said, well, he said what, Alex? Uh, he said that he would take this team that he's on any day over the team that he was on, uh, even though they lost the game by one. He said it was his fault that they lost. And like he's like, fans will be mad about it. He said that he won't forget it, you know, the performance that he had with turning the ball over. But he just said that he feels free here. And Coach Carlisle has put him in a position to really succeed. So he's openly expressed his dislike for Sacramento. So it's it's been quite interesting to just hear him talk crap about the Kings 
uh, after they traded him. But I, uh, I was laughing because Locked On Kings host Matt George, uh, he was just loving every second of the Buddy Heel failures uh, for the Kings to get that meaningless win, which in the long run might actually hurt them <laughs> with these lottery guys. For sure. For sure. I do want to give you a shout out for the Trey Lyles deep cut. Um, that dude's performing very well right now. Mm-hmm. And he's can be a great shooter. It's crazy how he hasn't stuck anywhere because he does this everywhere he goes for a couple games. It's just, I don't know what teams don't see in him or because I think he can be a two-way guy too. Um, I know our time's dwindling down. I just want to ask you guys outside of SGA, who would be like your number two or number three you'd want to have on your team going forward or best career or whatever you want to say for player wise. Bruce, I'll let you go first. The classic Zach question. We don't care, Zach. I don't know. Um, whoever you think has the most potential, but it could be any number of these guys. Kate or Jalen. No, obviously. It could be Kate. It could be Jalen. It could be Halliburton. It could be. Give me an answer. RJ or Jalen Green. Huh? RJ RJ or Jalen Green. Because I'm taking RJ. Why do you? I hate, I hate these discussions, dude. Um, Hey, I'll take Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green's ceiling is higher. Jalen Green's ceiling is higher. That's a tough one. Uh, Alex? Yeah, I don't I don't really know because I haven't watched enough of either of them to really make a firm uh, case, especially the Rockets. I haven't watched very much of them at all this year. Just a couple Dude, times. They're played so the bases. fun, man. I just, no, I don't. Not, they're not that fun. Sometimes <laughs> I get their ass beat. <laughs> yeah, I'll lean RJ Barrett just because he's done it a little bit longer. Um, right now, but it doesn't mean that I mean, I still believe in RJ Barrett. I just think that that team is kind of weird there in New York as well. Um, I would like to see him maybe on a different squad to see how he would gel. I don't, I don't know what his ceiling is. I feel like there's a case you can make though, that Jalen Green's ceiling is higher than RJ. For anyone who hasn't watched Jalen Green, he doesn't get near enough touches on this team. He gets like near, nearly half the touches that Kevin Porter Jr. gets, which is expected because KPJ is your point guard, but Jalen Green, so we'll talk about people being camped in the corner. Jalen Green's been camped in the corner yeah. for most of the season. And when he gets the ball and gets – like, he, he has high usage because when he gets it, he gets shots up. But the context of how he gets those shots is bad. So, when he, there, there's been a stretch since the All-Star break where he's worked as a combo guard, and he's had, like, complete stat lines, like 17, 6, and 5, 25, and 5. You know, that's yeah. the kind of player he can be. So, that's what I'm thinking. He could easily average 20-plus this year, easily. So, did you, did you actually rank your top 10 players for this list, Zach? Of course. Already? Okay, yeah, of course so without context, because we're running out of time, just run through – your list 10 through one uh, inverse order. And, and we can just let the fans come at you on Twitter after hearing this. Now this is who I'm taking, not who is best right now. Okay. Who you're taking. Okay. So SGA one K two. RJ. Ah, 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 ah. He said going inverse order. That's 10 just to harder. Okay. Um, you just read it backwards. <laughs> all right. I got LP at 11. I'll, I will shout that out. Um, Bay at 10, Giddy at 9, Anthony Simons 8, Sabonis 7, Fox 6, Jalen Green at 5, DeJounte 4, RJ 3, K2, SGA 1. There you go, everybody. So if you disagree with that, add Zach Noble on Twitter, right? Come at me, bro. Without the C. Without the C, Z Z A K. And Roosh, you're at Roosh Williams, or is it something else? That's what it is. R-O-O-S-H Williams. Follow me. And uh, like I said, Patriots fans, if I blocked you, then we'll try to fix that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm at Alex Golden, NBA Patriots fans. You know where to find me at. Uh, we'll be back uh, maybe, maybe later this week, but potentially if not on Monday. So thank you all so much. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Let us know where you would rank these young cores under the age of 26. And we will talk to y'all later. Let's go Pacers!
saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. It doesn't matter what job you're up against. Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment have the power for you to get the job done faster and easier. The PowerShare 20 volt batteries run longer on a single charge and they can be used with other tools. Check out Menards entire selection of works cordless power tools and lawn equipment. Plus the weekly flyer today on Menards.com. Save